The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, Captain Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. Mike Drucker is back. Mike's been on the show a lot. As you know, he is one of the writers on Full Frontal with Samantha B. Well, he's been promoted to head writer of Full Frontal with Samantha B. about two weeks before quarantine happened. So he's been doing that job for about 11 shows while never going into work. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about, as well as how he's doing and how the pandemic is doing. So let's talk to Mike. I think you know, or maybe you don't know, but I became co-head writer of the show in February. Yeah, I saw you posted that. Last time we saw each other was last summer when people could see each other. When people could see each other and people could just hang out and it was it was normal. Yeah. You could go to a diner. We went to a diner. We went to and- we went to the same diner we used to go to. Yeah. And yeah. it was the same. And we didn't even record it. No, no. It was we- like we hung out. We talked about things. I drove you sort of the way home. Yeah. <laughs> I think was- you drove me to the subway and I got home. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the way it used to be. But that was the last time we talked. But I did see you post. You, you got promoted to co-head writer. I'm promoted to co-head writer in February. Now- now, with the co-head writer, I remember when you did the Bill Nye show, you were the comedy writer, and then the other co-head writer was the science writer. Is there yeah. a division of duties, or is it you guys are a team? Uh, we're a team. Uh, when we when they were our old head writer, Melinda Taub, who's great, she had been the head writer for about three years, and she was ready to sort of move on and do other things. So she had announced in November, December, early December, that she was going to be moving on at the start of the season, which is February. So. They were interviewing a bunch of people and inside and out and me and another writer, Kristen Bartlett, we were, Sam talked to every writer and writers who were considered more senior experience wise or at the show, she asked them like, would you be interested in interviewing for this? And not like she chose people. She was just like, would you want to interview for this? And one or two writers were like, yes, I would interview for it. And Kristen and I both said, we would not do it alone. Now we didn't say we wanted to be paired up together. We were just like, I would be interested if I was paired with another person because it's so much work that I would not want to take it on solely. And Kristen and I thought that was a polite way to say no. (laughs) We were both like, we were both like, all right, they're going to pick a single person because that's what they've done the whole run of the show. And then it's cheaper. And then we interviewed for it. Um, I, and the thing is, we interviewed with people we already know. They're all producers on the show and stuff. But it was right. still like an interview. And right. I, it was during a hiatus week, so we were in the office. I accidentally showed up 20 minutes late. Um, so Kristen was like, where are you? And I was like, isn't it at like 2.30? And she was like, it is not at 2.30. And so I was you guys had a jo- You guys had a joint interview? Joint interview. Because there, were, there was a point when they were like, since you two don't, want to do it alone, would you two be interested in interviewing together? And we were like, yeah, sure, you'll never give it to us. So yeah, it'll be it'll be fine. Now, have um, you and Kristen teamed up a lot, or were you two just two writers on the show? Obviously, you knew each other and you worked together, but had you yeah. two tag team stuff before? We had tag team stuff before. We called each other at times the Bash Brothers because we considered ourselves the dumbest writers on the show. 
So we were usually like sent into the foxhole when they wanted something to be like joked up or like when I say dumbed up, I mean like dumbed up with goofy bits, not like to dumb down the information so the right. audience could get it. But we'd be like, we'd be like, they'd be like, all right, let's get some jokes in there. And we'd run in and, you know, light some fuses and run out. And so we sort of thought of each other as the joke people. Now, everyone, all the writers on the show are funny, but we thought of ourselves as like the people who are only funny. And then there's only smart, like there's the people who are very smart and funny. And we were the only just funny people. Well, you've always been a really strong one-liner guy ever since I met yeah. you. Yeah. So you can yeah. you could always throw out a quick one-liner rather than there's um, not saying you can't do it, but that's always been your strength as opposed to people who are like, here's my weird concept or here's my character right. that can respond to this or here's my angle. You've always been very good at like, here's a punchline, here's a punchline, here's a punchline. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, we were we we thought like we were known as sort of like the straight comedy people. Like we still understood the topics, but anyway, so we interviewed together. Um, we did not think. We did, from the start of the interview, we were like, you're not going to hire us. And so in the interview, we kept saying, like, when you don't hire us, you should do this. Because they were like, well, like, and the questions weren't like, why should you have the job? A lot of the questions like, what do you think is wrong with the show right now? What do you think can be right. fixed? What do you think needs improvement? And we were honest. You know, we were like, we think this and we think that. But I think what helped us is we clearly came at the interview from the perspective of not like we were too cool for the job, but we were like, well, since you're not going to give us this job, we'll just be honest with you and we'll tell you what we think rather than try to sick a frantically. Right. Well, there's no pressure. There's no pressure because that we was were like my when I left FCB, which was my last job a couple of years ago, my exit interview coincided with a new global creative director coming in. Yeah. So she was having one on ones with everyone on the team and I was scheduled and I was like, I just quit. But hey, here's everything I don't like about the place and here's everything right. I do like. So and when you're in that position, you're almost looking at a situation objectively. You don't yeah. you, you don't think, OK, how is this going to go for me and how can I influence the outcome? Right. It's, exactly. It's why women I had crushes on never went out with me. Right. No, but but exactly like when you go and being like, I don't know. Here's what's going on. Uh, uh, there's so much better about it, and I think, I think that energy, uh, I think that energy from us, and also because they did ask, they were like, "Why should we hire two people versus one?" And we were like, "Well, we can sort of be two places at once, and there's so many moving parts of this show that it basically means that if one person's not around, the other person will be, and vice versa." Um, and we didn't even know that was a compelling argument. That was just sort of like we were like, "Yeah, this is the advantage." And we got it. So so we started in February, and then there was an international uh, pandemic. Yeah, so you had like three weeks of being everyone's boss, and then you're like, I now I'm everyone's boss in my own house. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was like, hey, you're new to this. All right, we'll figure this out, pandemic. Yeah. Um, we had so. that ha We hired three people. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, can you tell this person how it works? I'm like, great. What's their Slack address? Yeah. We were close to hiring someone for the show, like a new writer. Yeah. We were doing interviews when this happened. And like even in interviews, we like we're like, oh, this thing's crazy, right? And people are like, Yeah, I've got like a week's worth of food saved up. Mm -hmm. You know, not thinking that this was gonna be what it was. And it's like there's there there are people we wanna hire, but we're like, sorry, we might not be hiring anyone until September. Right. You know, like just because of the situation. Like it's unfortunately with the way we do the show, it's hard to bring someone in. In, into like a remote situation without them having been there before. Cause there's again, a lot of moving pieces that you sort of need someone looking over your shoulder for a few days to get right. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly the feeling. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, and that's kind of what's going on in my job. I mean, my my job's uh, it's chaotic to begin with. So right. then throwing new people on it and and nobody being around at the same time. Yeah. Um, to, for, so for me, that's added up to a lot of extra hours. There's also that feeling of like, well, you're not going home. You're not on a train. So you yeah. might as well answer this email. So oh, everyone, everyone I know is either just like sitting around, like just waiting for something to happen and building a log cabin out of Legos. Or it's like, no, I work 60 hours a week now. Yeah. That's that's how I am. I'm I'm the latter where yeah, I, well, yeah. Well, with the new job as well. I mean, you always have to put in thirty percent more effort to learn a new job. Yes. Y- yeah, and like you know, now that we're department heads, we get asked for our opinion on things that before we didn't have to care about. You know, like not in right. a, a snide way, but it's like, hey, this is what our like. Do you have any opinions on our for your consideration marketing campaign? And it's like, oh, we have to care about that now, and we have to like look at everything and give an actual opinion. Um, so, yeah, and, how, and how how are you handling that? Because that it's a so much more of a different task to have to multitask. Because also, when somebody's coming to you asking for the for your consideration, I'm sure they're not putting it on a schedule and saying, "Can you come back to me by Friday?" I'm sure they're walking in and going, "So what do you think?" And you're working on three other things, right? Um, how, how mentally are you doing the the multiple tracks? I think, well, one, you know, like like you said, I, I was a head writer on a show before, so uh, I learned from a lot of mistakes on that one, on, like, the way to balance things and to, like, prioritize things. I also think that because there's two of us, um, you know, we'll remind each other of things. We'll be like, hey, we have that thing at one, or, you know, are you covering this thing, or should I cover it? So we kind of, we both have the safety net of each other to catch each other when we forget something, which is super useful. Mm-hmm. So how has it been now? How has it been going? It's is been it, good. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> that question we, deserved that answer. <laughs> we honestly thought that when, and you know how I, like, if I'm saying things are good, they're probably okay, good. Um, when we started at the, as the head writers, we were almost certain that there would be a month or two long drop in quality as we learned the job, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't think that we weren't capable of doing it, but we were like, okay, Melinda was so good at it. She had her processes. We're going to flounder for a little bit, but then we're going to be fine. And we actually came into it really strong. Like we implemented our own new processes, not to mess with anybody, but like, like we just sort of added certain steps that we were like, this will make us feel better. Or we want to do this. And we think, you know, that the quality of the show has actually stayed the same versus dropping and then going back up to the same. So it's been good. Well, and considering that you're all doing it in seclusion and Sam's in the woods, that's that there'd be a a steep curve anyway. Yeah. 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 So now, now you still, you're still in your apartment by yourself, right? Is I'm there still anybody? in my apartment by myself. Nope. Yeah, there's Manhattan. nobody. Right. Yep. There's nobody else in there. Yeah. <laughs> I love you said Manhattan. Like, yeah, they don't allow other people in apartments. They don't here. allow other people in here. Yep. You have to yep. move to Queens for that. No, I am in my apartment alone, which I alternately like and don't like. I think I like more than don't like right now. Yeah, I'm just going so, sort of the same way. I mean, there's definitely that. You and I are similar in that we're like introverts who know how to perform. Right, exactly. So, so I feel like there's like 20% of me 
that wants to get out and see people. I think it's that feeling of if I have to be around people, I need yeah. to I need to be the most interesting. I need I need to do everything that will not fail in front of people, and then I can get away from the people. Yeah, yeah. I will go on walks outside and, you know, cause I live near central park. So I'm able to go on like safe walks in the park. And then after like 45 minutes, I'm like, Oh, right. I don't like being outside. That's right. I forgot that part. Yeah, I did that. I went for my first walk yesterday uh, or two days ago. I had not taken a walk in my neighborhood and I live in the suburbs now. And uh, I would see one person on each block and I'd be like, Oh man, there's a person. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I had this mask. Do I wear a mask? Is the mask the thing I got to do now? Do I go? And I just, I would just cross the other side of the street and I'm like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I used to do in the fifth grade. If yeah. anybody else was on the street, I would cross the street. Yeah. You got to get to the other side, avoid them. Got to, got to aggressively avoid. Yeah. When, uh, you know, and I'm a little older than you. So I remember when the Walkman came in, that was, that was quite a game changer. It was like, I can just take away an entire sensory input from people around me. Yeah. I mean, now I'll go out and I have like, I'll wear like big sunglasses that I have and like a mask and like, like Elton John sunglasses. Like, well, yeah, like Elton John glittery. Um, yeah. You know, I almost said Tiano Man, which is not Elton John. Uh, <laughs> you were so close, though. He, he did so play a piano. He played was piano. in the 70s. One's a Rocket Man, one's a Piano Man. That is like my making an L with your hand to like left and right. I know that Elton John's Rocket Man. Uh, Billy Joel is Piano Man, and that is how I remember. You know, they toured together, and I feel like if you went there, you would feel like it was just one show. I would, yeah, I would be so delighted to see that one single performer. <laughs> You're like, he's he's not dressing as flamboyantly in the second part. <laughs> That's the <laughs> only difference. I like the costume changes. He's like an <laughs> at-home guy, and then he's very flamboyant. All right, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the highs and lows. He's the whole package. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, actually, when I, I saw Billy Joel and he would set up pianos all over the stage so he could get up and run around. And I'm like, OK, that's what you do when you're when your whole act is based around you sitting down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm like in a huge almost like I look like the Unabomber. Like I, I the way I look is like the Unabomber. But everyone looks like the Unabomber now, which is kind of nice if you want to be a new Unabomber. Well, yeah. Uh, um, the only problem with being the Unabomber is that Trump's trying to shut down the post office. Oh, that's true. That's really rough. It's, that's really it's, rough. it's a it's a major hurdle for a Unabomber. Uh, speaking of which, I'm watching that new that uh, it's not new, but it's not new on Netflix that Waco miniseries. Oh, really? And, and? It's, it's it's really it's good. It's very good, but it's like very sympathetic to the Branch Davidians. And you're watching it, you're like, hey man, they got a point. Like they're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching. Uh, I've been watching tons of Star Trek because I f I fell in love with Picard, and yeah. then since I'm home, I've been watching Deep Space Nine all the way through, and I've been watching a lot of Next Gen, and it's like yeah. comforting to be like, oh yeah, this ship is comfortable, everything will be okay. We're yeah. not following a dark character descend for ten episodes. It's just like everybody's gonna pull together and not argue, and we're all in our pajamas. And right. every third episode, there's this unique alien virus that takes over everybody yep like i was yep. watching i was watching the original series where sulu takes his shirt off and chases everybody with a sword and the beginning of that like they're on a planet and it's spock and another guy and the, the guy has an itch on his face so he takes his glove off to scratch his face and i'm like 
I was like, this is the dumbest guy I've ever seen in space. <laughs> but that did not occur to me six months ago. No. I was like, yeah, you uh, itch. You got a scratch. I, I should... I, I feel like I've gone the other direction where everything I'm watching, like I'm listening to an audiobook about the Black Death. Like everything that I'm doing is much more like, what's, what's even sadder than what's happening now to comfort me at this level? See, I can't do that because I feel like I, we're leading in that direction. I did watch, uh, I did binge watch every Christopher Lee Dracula movie in a week. There you go. Yeah, that's and, something. Yeah, I did it with a friend of mine. We're going to make it an episode of the podcast. And now it's like a Netflix season. I can't remember which was which and what happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but I was like, yeah, go ahead. Get bloodshot eyes. Chase Peter Cushing around a castle. (laughs) I'm like, this is, I know this is never going to happen. This is great. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I'm like, I'm like listening. I'm like, I'm like, oh, wow. Florence didn't know what was coming. Like really just getting into it. Uh. The Black Death Man, it was it was pretty bad. You know, like you see in the movies, it was bad. <laughs> well, they called it the Black Death. It makes they it called sound it the Black Death. It made it sound like a pirate ship that was commanded by a werewolf. Well, apparently it wasn't called the Black Death until like the seventeen or eighteen hundreds by historians, but at the time it was called the Great Mortality, which is also <laughs> That's kind of worse. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it's a decree. <laughs> the Great Mortality. Oh, with man. great with great power comes great mortality. God. Uh, is that it? so is it helping you in a way it kind of is just because you know one one it's just interesting to hear about something that's not the same but something that overlaps in the sense that it was a disease at a different time and just hearing how people handle it then and almost like feeling this link to history but also it was so much worse that you're like you know what this is bad but at least you know I'm not like an entire village isn't getting wiped out in a week. Um, That doesn't make what's happening now good, but it's some sort of weird comfort just to remember how bad it can be. Now, what do you think? What do you think made it worse? Was it medical science or, or I mean, it was a worse disease. I think both. It was a worse disease. It was definitely, definitely a worse disease that acted much faster and hit much faster. And, um, it was, and also medical science. Like, what's weird is in the book they sort of explain that people kind of came close to. Nobody had germ theory, but there was like people who were like, "Hey, this seems to be happening whenever we have these trading ships come in. Maybe we should stop having these trading ships come in." Like, people kind of circled a solution, but then there were so many people who were like doing bloodletting or you know burning. They burned like nine hundred Jews, which didn't didn't work. Um, so and yet in the 40s they tried it again they tried it again still didn't work but they so it's weird because like there's these people who like circle a solution almost where they're like i feel like we should keep people who are sick away from people who aren't sick and they do that but it's not widespread enough that it has the effect that you is good what's also interesting is you know everyone knows like the plague doctor suit and everything and how you know they put herbs and flowers into the beak because they thought it came from bad smells but apparently those suits were so thorough that they were actually almost like primitive hazmat suits because like the fleas that passed it couldn't get through the suit so in a way those suits actually worked at preventing the disease without them knowing why it was wow i didn't realize that about the beak i was always wondering why they had a beak i was like is that some kind of grim reaper imagery 
No, but, no, it was to keep it was to keep the something and it almost like to Febreze your nose. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it's like hanging a Febreze in front of your face. Right, exactly. That's kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what what effect do you think the protests are going to have on this whole thing? Because as as you're saying, they're hitting up in the Black Death. They hit on the idea to keep sick people away from healthy people. And right yeah. now we're having people just march in the street. And go, I no, think, I, I, I want everybody to get sick because I'm an American. I think that there'll be a, 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 I think there'll be like a spike. I don't think it'll be like everything comes back immediately because those protests are big, but they're not entire cities going out like it's communities. It's almost like those churches where we're going to go to church no matter what. And then 27 people in that church die. I yeah. think we'll probably see something like that. I don't necessarily think it'll bring it all back. What I'm worried about is because I've had to read a lot about this for work too, which is super fun. And um, we, uh, uh, in the in the fall and winter, you know, if people, you know, we might need to social distance again in the fall and winter. And there's also that, you know, it's very likely that all the people will be like, fuck it, we already did it. Why do we have to do this again? And they won't do it. And then it'll hit harder than it hit now. But by social distancing in the fall and winter, does that, that assumes we're, we can stop in the summer. Yeah, that that's the assumption. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's possible they, we just don't. I mean, they out here, they canceled school for the rest of the year. Yeah. So the boys are doing e-learning with their teachers, but they're not going to go back. And now there's talk of eh, in the fall, we might not go back. And I'm like, OK, well, that's another six yeah. months. So I've always assumed it's like, all right, we're just going to roll right through summer. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, though, what's weird is I've because I've gone to the park probably five times over the last month two months that we've been doing this so not a lot but each time i've gone to the park there's been way more people each time and i think that even the people who aren't the crazy protesters there's people who are sort of like it's fine if i go out it's fine if i go out with like a friend it's fine if i go out you know and and i think that people will slowly think even the people who are doing the right thing and think they're doing the right thing who aren't protesting it will slowly be like all right i can ease up and that'll also have a negative effect yeah, they'll just start getting sloppy. It's like people that don't wear exactly. seatbelts. It's like, well, I haven't, I'm not going to get into an accident, so. I haven't been in an accident so far. I'm just going to get, you know, the store. I'm just going to leave the seatbelt off. Right. Yeah, that's what it's going to be with masks. Um, what was it? Someone at work. Because, you know, there's the new thing with the World Health Organization is they're not sure if having it before prevents you from getting it again. Yeah. They don't know if you can, but they're not sure that you can't. And someone at work was like, yeah, but, you know, if I get it and I'll like if I survived it once, that means I'll survive it again. And I was like, yeah, you know, like if you're in a car accident once, you'll definitely survive the next car accident. Because <laughs> it's not like you'll be decimated. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way to think about it is no matter what, you'll be fine. Yeah. If I throw you out of a third floor window and you survive, I can throw you out of a fifth floor window. Yeah, totally. So, um, but luckily, you know, luckily with our show, Sam, you know, Sam's husband is Jason Jones, who was on right. The Daily Show. So yeah. he knows they were on like, together, right? They were on together. Um, and, and they might have even been married before. I forget. Is he working on the show now? Because he had his own show. He had his own show. He had The Detour, which yeah. I think is, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know the status of that. I think it's on hold because that's, of all this. And that's a show with a lot of location. Well, actually, it doesn't even matter. I was going right. to say it has a lot of location shooting, but honestly, you can't get big cats together because 
I mean, Saturday Night Live isn't even doing doing the right. show in the H, and that's one room because there's just right. too many people to put in that one room. Yeah, but fortunately, since he knows his way around a camera, he's been shooting the show. Um, so like, it's we've been able to shoot the show really with no crew. But the nice thing is, we're still TBS is still paying the crew for eight hour days. So like. If you're a camera guy who's not working because the show isn't in a studio, you're still getting paid. If you're a lighting guy, you're still getting paid. So, like, even though we're shooting the show with just one person on a camera and that same person doing sound, all of those people that would normally get paid are getting paid, which is very nice. Yeah, but that's my worry. I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago is with all of the to- all of the late night style talk shows are shooting from home now. You know, Sam is, Trevor Noah, yeah. Stephen Colbert, Conan, uh, yeah. Jimmy. It's There's got to be somebody at the network looking at that budget going, oh, these guys are basically just doing a YouTube channel. Like, yeah. when, I'm, is there a concern that when you come back, budgets will just be slashed? Because it's like, well, you could do it without three cameras. You could do it without a union crew. I don't think budgets will be slashed for that reason. Because I think that ble- – I think weirdly executives – think where they're like, yeah, but we want it to look flashy again. Because a lot of executives mm-hmm. are more like, like, ah, it's going to be fun. Um, what I'm worried about, though, is that because so many networks are losing money, like, you know, a lot of the network we're on, a lot of their money comes from sports. Right. And we don't have, you know, networks don't have college basketball. They don't have baseball. They don't have football. And a lot of that revenue has been lost. And also, you know, I'm sure as you know, and with your job that like a lot of people just aren't buying ads right now because people aren't buying things. Yeah. We're, we're in a rare space in my agency where we were already going to be busy and then we won some new business. So we're like crazy busy, but there, every time we have an all agency meeting, there's always like, well, we don't know how long it's going to last. I mean, the client can just go, yeah, we we're not spending any more money on advertising. Yeah. And you know, I've been doing pharmaceuticals for the last couple of years. It's the last thing people cut budgets on. But the marketing budget is something else. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, TV networks are getting, you know, you don't have sports, so you're losing that revenue and those eyeballs. People are buying fewer ads. So I think that might hurt budgets more necessarily than executives saying that you can do it on the cheap, so you should. Right. Uh, So have you had any free time? Not much. I mean, I've like, I've stayed up late some nights just to like watch some TV or, or play video games just to clear my head. But I honestly, and again, I have no significant other, you know, I have no family here. So I'm not nearly as busy as people like you, but at the same time, I feel like I'm working three or four more hours a day than I was before. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like I was saying before, if you, you're not spending time on the commute, right. You know, you can't. And if you want, if you wake up and check your email, I and mean, sometimes you'd wake up and check your email and be like, all right, I have to do that when I get in. Whereas when right. you wake up, you check it, you're like, all right, I'll go do that right now. Exactly. So what you are know, you watching? Uh, watching that Waco show, um, rewatching the Netflix Castlevania cartoon, which is very good. Yeah. I uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's very good. It's very violent, but it's like very fun. It feels like, and I, I think I've said this to you about a thousand things, but it feels like a Saturday morning cartoon, but for adults in the sense that it gives you the same feeling you had watching a Saturday morning cartoon as a kid, but it's, when I say adult, I don't mean like it's all sex and blood, but like you're sort of like the same feeling, but it's elevated to something that as an adult you enjoy watching. Well, it's like going from Super Friends to Batman the Animated Series. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
So, so I've been watching that. I've been watching. I got Cop Rock season one. So I've been watching. You actually Cop Rock. did. I saw you post that, and I was like, yeah. I don't know that you really did that. <laughs> I bought Cop Rock season one. Did you have to buy the physical DVDs? I had to buy the physical DVDs, which, <laughs> which I am surprised were any available, uh, because at well at work too at work, for a little while obviously this has been held up for a while everyone the writers were watching Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Oh my God, you and I used to watch that when it aired. Right, exactly. We were like, we were barking for the improv and we were watching that every week, just going like, this isn't real. This is, and that's what we how did. Is it, yeah, how is it watching it now? It's it's just as not real. Like it's just <laughs> as not, it just is not real. Um, it's It's so bad. And so I felt like Cop Rock was a good follow up to that once yeah. we're done. But I also wanted because I haven't seen the whole series of Cop Rock. I've only seen like different songs from it. I, I saw like the first three and I was like, I'm never coming back to this. It is, it is, I honestly, and I said this, I've said this before, but if this never existed and then someone made this as a show on Adult Swim with the same cast and the same songs, we would think it was the funniest show ever made. Yeah. Like it's not, it's like, when I say it's like, it's not like ironically bad where it's so bad it's good. It's like, you're like, this is honestly a comedy and no one on this show knows it. <laughs> yeah, it's like what you thought the Adam West Batman was until you, right. in, in, when you're a teenager, when you're a, I was just talking about this with Steven. When you're a little kid, you think everything that happens on Batman is real. Yeah. And you're like, I, I think that giant clam might just eat Batman and I can't wait for tomorrow to find yeah. out if he does. And then when you're a teenager, you just think you're smarter than it. Yeah. And you're like, just stupid. And then when you're an adult, I, this didn't hit me till like last year. I was yeah. I was watching an episode of Batman, and there was a line. Of, I can't remember who the villain was. I can't remember what the episode was. I can't remember what the line was. But a line came out, and I was like, "That's a joke. That's absolutely yeah. a joke. There's no way this wasn't a sitcom." Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't goofy, and they leaned into it. They were writing jokes on that. Yeah. And 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 that's where I am on on Cop Rock. I'm also that way with a couple of video games. I've been playing like very purple Japanese role playing games that like I loved as a little kid, and as like a teenager and in college, I was like, man, this stuff sucks. I'm too good for this. And now I'm like, oh, this is just goofy and fun. All right, great. Yeah, I mean, uh, been a few. That, well, that's kind of what led me back to Star Trek because it's just comforting. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, very few things. Uh, YouTube put every episode of GI Joe on. And I can't, uh, I can't get anybody to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> like, like I keep, I keep pitching it. Like this was my favorite show when I was a kid. The comic books were amazing. They got me in a Marvel and then we get five minutes into it and everyone is gone. Yeah. Like, it's people don't even hard. say, I, I want to, I don't want to watch this anymore. They're just in another room. <laughs> <laughs> like I look to my right and there's an empty spot on the couch. Yeah, it's it's those are hard to watch. And also, like, because I, I was going to do that with a couple old, very in character for me, video game cartoons. And I, at least for this, at least during the pandemic, I have quit drinking and smoking pot just because I didn't want to rely on it too much at the start and then run out and it'd be like this weird crutch I don't have anymore. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to run through this not drinking or smoking pot. Yeah, I've been and I realized, sorry, go ahead. I've been very wary of drinking. So yeah. I've been I've been good about drinking, but I've been eating dessert all the time. 
And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm probably heavier than if I was just drinking. Right. But you'd probably be drinking and having dessert still. Maybe. I think, but I think, I think I had just way more dessert. <laughs> cause I was just like, uh, I, well, it kept happening too. Cause you know, you know, my wife's an extrovert. So every right. now and then she just gets cabin fevery and she's like, we got to go food shopping and she'll just go and she'll be gone for a couple of hours and she'll bring stuff home. And then she was going like twice a week. And every single time she left, Ben was like, and we need ice cream. And one day I was just like, we do not. Right. I was like, we do not need four gallons of ice cream a week. We he's certainly like, do not need that. Yeah. He's like, but we don't have any. I'm like, we don't have any cause you ate it. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so without that, I've found that watching kids' cartoons that aren't, like, Batman the Animated Series is still great because it's great, but, like, yeah. going back and even watching something like Tiny Toons Adventures, I'm like, I, you know what, I can put in 15 minutes of this, but I'm not gonna put in the two hours I thought I was. Yeah, there was, I think there's a high watermark. I find Pinky and the Brain still really rewatchable. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. And, and that I'm gonna watch when it comes back on Hulu. But it's... Yeah, it's getting it's getting tougher. And like I said, yeah. everything I want, I can't watch anything alone. So everything I watch, I have to recommend. Oh, you, you know what? You know, it was never any good. <laughs> and I keep coming back to it. Uh, I I have the HBO app because uh, Renee wanted to finish Game of Thrones. And then as soon as she finished Game of Thrones, Curb started. Right. So I was like, all right, we can't quit Curb. So now we just kind of have it. And Everything that's ever been on HBO is on the app. Like you could watch all yeah. of Mr. Show uh, if you want. And I found the Spawn animated series. Oh God! It, the whole thing is on there. The, I, the, there's only 18 episodes, but it was like I remember it was pictures like this is our answer to Batman the animated series, and it's gonna be even even more adult. And I watched like five minutes of one, and I'm like, this is the animation of the Tick. Yeah. Like it didn't even reach X-Men. <laughs> but you know uh, what? God. But Todd McFarlane puts out a Kickstarter for a spawn figure that he's made a hundred times and he's made over two million dollars. Yeah. Uh one cool thing though, we're mm. almost just related to that, even though that show sucks, is yeah. they did uh they added Spawn to Mortal Kombat eleven as like a you know downloadable character, and they had Keith David do his voice again. Yeah, I saw that, and then McFarlane released a figure from that game, and yeah. he, he started to come out right when the quarantine happened. So yeah. he's going for like sixty bucks now. Someone was someone was talking to me about how they're like how all these act, all these toys for these kids' movies that were supposed to come out are now just sitting on shelves in closed stores, and how weird that is. Yeah, well, San Diego's even canceled, so that's when they would announce all the stuff for the rest of the year. San Diego is canceled. I assume they're not going to do New York. No, no, um, they haven't done. They, well, everything, yeah. everything's getting canceled. And so many of those shows are read pop. So I think if they've yeah. can't, if they've, they canceled Emerald city and they, uh, we had C2E2, but it was like the last thing that, yeah. any, that anybody had. That was like, I went on the, um, I went on the Joe Cruz, Joko Cruz again with my friend Bill. And we weren't sure if it was going to happen. And yeah. Um, a lot of people couldn't go like Will Wheaton and John Hodgman, like couldn't get on the boat. Um, and it was, it was good. But as soon as the second we got off the boat, they shut the cruise line down. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Yeah. So, 
So even the things that happened, there was like a finality. There was like a last call to the things that actually did happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, and who knows when it'll come back? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, it, now how do you feel about live performing? As you said, I mean, you're primarily a writer, but you're always doing something. Is are doing things like podcasts and streaming events? Are they filling that void, or they're miss- they're filling that void a bit? I it's almost like I don't. I mean, I miss it, but I also don't feel a deep guilt for not doing it because it's just not available to do. So, like, usually, you know, part of the reason I feel bad not doing it is I'm like, this is something you can do. You have access to doing it. You're just not doing it. Now I'm like, well, you don't have access to do it, so you can't punish yourself. Isn't um, it? Isn't it great when everything goes wrong and you can't yeah. blame yourself for it? I feel yeah. right na- right now. I feel like I did on 9/11, where 9/11. <laughs> 9-11 for me in some ways right. was not as bad as a usual day for me. Right. Because <laughs> there was that feeling of like, oh hell, everything's gone to hell. I, I, and I yeah. was working I was working on 23rd and 6th. And uh my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was working on 53rd and 3rd, and we lived in Sunnyside, Queens. And I was just like, All right, I'll walk up and meet you. We'll walk over the bridge. Like yeah. there was no panic. But, you know, a normal day when I have a client presentation or and Sebastian won't put his shoes on, that's like I completely lose it for that. Yeah. It it things yeah. gotta get outside of me and, and I'm really good at not letting that happen. Yeah. And that I think I'm the same way where if something like I think that there's kind of two groups of people with that. There's one group where if something's outside their control, it's almost a relief because you can't do anything to change it. So it's not really your problem. And then there's another group where if it's outside their control, it really causes a ton of anxiety because they have no control over that situation. Yeah. And those are the people that like control over every situation. Right. You know, people who are like, well, this is like, and I think that's a lot of those freedom people are too, too where it's like, I, well, I, but it's my choice. I need to get outside. Like, this isn't a problem because I say it's not a problem. Yeah. Because I think people like you and I are like, well, it's a problem, so I guess we're just going to have to find something else to do. Like, it's much more relaxing. Yeah, well, we're used to something being a problem. Yes. Yes, we're used to things also being out of our control and adjusting yep. to, like, the new situation. So I learned but, very uh, recently – I learned recently through uh, a lot of therapy that um, things being out of my control all the time is why I collect stuff. Yeah. Is that like, oh, I cannot control what's going to happen to me, but you know what? I can have every single Marvel legend. Yeah. I can make that happen. Yeah. And I'm doing it now. I mean, my collecting's way, way down with, um, with everything, everything being shut down. And um, it's been a blessing in disguise that Amazon Prime doesn't really work anymore because there's just been so much stuff that I'm like, oh, it won't get here by Thursday? I guess I don't want it. Yeah. That yeah. I've I've saved so much money, and honestly, I don't want to give Amazon that kind of money anymore. And or it's been like, wait, you're gonna take two weeks to ship it? Oh, and this other this other website's gonna take two weeks to ship it. All right, I'll get it from the other website. But uh, but I I do that digitally now. Is like I yes. go through my iTunes library and my Comixology library. They're literally going back to Spawn. Yesterday, Comixology said, all right, every old image comic is a dollar. 
And and last night I was literally like, oh, you know, I could get every issue of Spawn for less than 300 bucks. And I wanted to. I haven't read them. Right. And I'm I, sure you wouldn't like them. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't like the ones I read. The only I thing didn't that, like Spawn when I was the perfect age to like Spawn. Yeah, I was I was. You were the perfect age to like Spawn because I was too old to like Spawn when Spawn came out. I was like already working in a comic book store when Spawn came out. I think, but I, I what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, you know what it is? It's it's almost like when I was that age. It was also like around the time Preacher was out, and I remember with Preacher, I was like, this is intense, but it's really good. And I felt like Spawn to me, and I know that they're different times, but I think that like in my memory, they're all sort of blended together in the same time frame. And I think Spawn was almost like. The too, the too intense part of Preacher, but without any of the good part. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like the violence. Because like in Preacher, all that violence and all that horror drives it somewhere. And with Spawn, it was almost like, isn't this cool, man? Yeah, and it's that's a great analogy, too. because it, Well, it's also about the characters, because right. I don't know who Al Simmons is after hundreds of issues. I knew who, I knew who uh, Jesse and Cassidy and Tulip were by issue three. And right, I cared. Exactly. I cared what happened to them, and it was about it was about their journey. And they both set these impossible goals. One was gonna punch God in the face, and one was gonna take over hell, or I don't yeah. get it. Get his family back. Right. But I think I finally put my every five years or so, McFarlane will put out like a really cool figure, and they'll be like, "All right, I'll get that figure." I'm looking at the Kickstarter now, like, yeah, it's clearly the best spawn he's made. And then I'll get it. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I used to like Spawn. And then I'll buy a bunch of them, and I'll buy a bunch of the graphic novels, and I'll read them again. And I'll be like, this is terrible, and I'll put it down for five years. But that doesn't mean five years from now I won't pick it up again. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think I finally put my finger on why because I was uh, I was talking about it with Ben, and what Ben really remembers is the live-action movie, which is god-awful. Yeah. Um, stars Black Dynamite. That yeah, else. that's true. It does. I forgot about that. It does. Yeah, but so he knows that. So he's like, "Why would you like any of this?" And then I'm like, "Well, look, look, this is Greg Capullo, and then he drew Batman." He's like, "I don't. I really don't care." And I was like, "Well, the cool thing about Spawn is," I said, "Well, Spawn, you strip it down. Spawn's McDonald's. You don't want to like it. You know, it's not good for you. Every now and then, you're just like, you're you're young enough or you're drunk enough to be like, I want that." Right. Yeah. And I was like. Because all he is is he's Spider-Man with Batman's cape, and then he has guns like the Punisher, and then he takes off his mask, and he's like a zombie. I'm like, oh, he, that's all he is. He's just the yeah. four quadrants of of 13-year-old bros. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That makes perfect sense now. <laughs> you, when you do that, you don't need a story. You can have him fight Dana DeVito, who turns into a lizard. God, wasn't that John Leguizamo who played like in under a, all that makeup? In a fat suit. In a fat suit. I remember, see, I was, I think I was, um, I was, I was writing comics when that movie came out, and um, and so we went to it like as like a professional courtesy. And he, there are very few movies you can't convince yourself in the theater are good. Like usually, you're like, well, I spent the money, I got the popcorn, I'm here with my friends, right. this is an event, yeah, this is good, and then. You watch it again a couple years later, and you're like, I don't know why I like that. That was one yeah. where, like, an hour in, you're just like, oh. That was like Batman versus Superman. Yeah. God. That, those those movies, I still have not finished watching Justice League, and I've tried a couple times. 
Oh, I I got like preview. I got like preview screener passes from uh, like from like the podcast. So I was like, oh, I'll go. It's an IMAX. Yeah. It's not as bad as Batman vs Superman, but it's weird. And this is why I don't understand the release the Snyder Cut people, because what it is is it's just a sequel to Batman vs Superman. That's all it is. And then it got chopped up, and then there's a bunch of scenes from Avengers thrown in there. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly what it is. And people are like, no, release the Snyder Cut. I'm like, so you want it to be less like Avengers? Yeah. And more like Batman vs Superman. So what you're saying is. You're thinking Batman vs Superman is a higher goal to attain than Avengers. But that I think that's the audience that likes Spawn. Like that is that audience where they want that grim dark, you know, they want like cuz even though like I feel like that era is over and I'm glad it's over in comics. There's a lot of right. people who are like, "Yeah, man, these people are dark. You wouldn't put on a cape unless you were dark." And like and to me I'm tired of that. That's why I like Astro City the comic book series so much because it feels very earnest and down to earth and some Light people are having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's also why I like a lot of the Marvel movies even though like Martin Scorsese doesn't because they're like light and they're fun. Uh yeah, well, and, Martin Scorsese never made a big a big blockbuster. He doesn't want to. I don't care if he likes it. Right. And he made us like honestly, The Irishman is a special effects film. Everyone oh, yeah. in that movie is de-aged horribly. <laughs> like it's, it's a like, weird. It's I ah, that movie is just. It was. I have so many conflicting feelings about The Irishman. It's like Robert De Niro is a twenty-five-year-old man who walks like a ninety-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, that that was the first thing somebody at work pointed at to me. He's like, yeah, they made them look young, but they can't run. <laughs> right. It's like that scene uh, a friend of mine pointed out. We were talking about the Bond films, and yeah. we, we were talking about his view to a kill, and he's like, that's the movie Roger Moore sh- couldn't have made because he doesn't run in that movie. He starts right. running, and then they cut to wherever he's running from. And there's a scene on the Eiffel Tower where he's like – he's chasing terrorists up the stairs of the Eiffel Tower, and they show seven shots of him arriving on the same landing. <laughs> It's literally like it's the third story, and then he looks up. <laughs> I, it may be the same shot because I don't think he reacts any differently. <laughs> God, yeah, that's that's it's, the Irishman. It's, that's the Irishman. Yeah, it's oh, I still don't quite know what it was. I all the other thing that bothered me about it was that you get Pacino, De Niro, and Scorsese, and and you bring back Joe Pesci. And Harvey Keitel, you this it was like it was like the reunion special of Scorsese movies. Yeah. Where you're like, everybody's back, this is gonna be great. And then you watch it and you're like, this is terrible. There's no reason to do this. But you have literally, I'd say every, you have the greatest actors of their generation all in the same movies. I'd say in the 70s you have them and you have like Dustin Hoffman. He's probably the right. only person of that class that's yeah. not in that movie. You have Netflix who will let them do whatever they want. Yeah. They're not coming down with a lot of studio notes and saying you got to be like this, you got to be like this, you got to be like this. And De Niro and Pacino just do the same shit they've been doing for 25 years. Right. Like Jack Nicholson did a better Jimmy Hoffa than Al Pacino did. And I can't I mean, remember yeah. who directed – I think Danny DeVito directed the, the Hoffa Jack Nicholson movie. Yeah, possibly, yeah. I. Yeah, I'm, I haven't seen that in forever, but yeah. I saw it once around the time it came out, but that was my only 
That was my only connection to Jimmy Hoffa. I was like, oh, yeah, didn't Nicholson do this? And Pacino, did Hoffa like this? <laughs> it's called I The just, Irishman, but Robert De Niro is so Italian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? In Goodfellas, they say he's supposed to be Irish, too. And he's yeah. like, you're you're an Irishman in the way that, like, New Yorkers are Irish. In a way, like, if you go to Howard Beach and walk around and you don't know if the guy you ran into is Irish or Italian, that's De Niro. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Although, did you see Dolomite is my name? Yeah, that was great. Oh, man. I got, was so pissed that people are still talking about the Irishman yeah. and and didn't see Dolomite is my name. I'm like, that was the Edward of exploitation. It was so damn good. It was so good. It was such a happy film. Like, the way yeah. it ends, you feel so good about yourself. Like, it was one of my favorite movies last year. And the way it got ignored by everybody. Yeah, they talked about it for, like, that week. And it was, like, it was so good to see Eddie Murphy try again. And he did Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And he hosted Saturday Night Live. Like, he put himself out there because he cared about this movie. He tried yeah. to get it made for, he tried to get it made for, like, 20 years. He, like, contacted the screenwriters from Ed Wood, like, right after Ed Wood came out. Yeah, and said we and said I want you to do Dolomite, and nobody would buy it. And then it came out, and nobody watched. It's, it's great. Wesley Snipes in that is just like, is nuts in that. Nobody is bad in that film. Like the whole film, and the whole time you're watching it, you're like, this is so fun, and it feels like, and you're, and it's so, and like it, like it ends. You're like, yeah, like it feels so good at the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, mad I haven't yeah. watched it a second time. Oh, I loved I, it so much. I don't, I don't watch anything on Netflix more than once. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was it was so good. That that was the best movie I saw last year. I think that and Parasite were my two favorite movies. Although my my best theater going experience, and I know that this is corny to say and cliche to say, but I went to see Cats with all the writers from my show. <laughs> ben is obsessed with seeing Cats, and I'm like, you want to see Cats? Give me $15, and we will buy Cats right now. It is. So here's what's interesting about Cats. And I think it is the new Rocky Horror Picture Show in that people, I think there's going to be screenings of it where people do like these fun shout at the screen screenings. And it is a movie. Thing. Right. Yeah. It's not a movie that's bad. It's a movie where every choice is wrong. <laughs> every choice. And and so you're not like, it's not mediocre bad. And it's not like offensively bad. It's like every time they came to a crossroads, they were like, let's do the wrong thing. And it's so wild watching it because you can see how expensive it is and you can see that there was care put into it. Like they did care about it. They just chose every choice. You're like, nope, that was the wrong. Nope, that was the wrong choice. Nope, that was. And it's fascinating to watch where by the end of it, you're, it's almost like you're drunk in how bad it is. So it's almost like if Walter White was a director. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, like they used nah, you see, music. You, had you seen the Broadway show? Because it it ran forever. Uh, I had not seen the Broadway show, but as a kid, uh, I think my sister or my grandma had a videotape of the Broadway. Like, like I think they released it as, like, they released it as a special, like a, a, a recording of the live performance. Either that, it was or it was pirated. I forget. But right, I watched that, so I've seen it. I haven't seen it live though. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I'm wondering if I'm like, how it is that how bad could it be thing, which is you know, um, it never leads me to a good place. The, right. the 
Like that's how I end up sitting in the audience for Independence Day or Batman and Robin or yeah. Batman versus Superman. Like, um, the, but the thing that's mind boggling about to me, and I've got to, I know I have to see it cause I have to figure this out is the Broadway show ran for like 20 years. I'm pretty sure it was still running while yeah. you and I were like handing out flyers for the improv. And yeah. it, it, it had been running when I was in grade school. So yeah. like, obviously it was a big hit show. How different is what they shot on film to what was in that movie? Like the producer's movie, not the original movie, which I still think is the funniest movie ever made, but the movie they made of the musical is terrible. Yeah. And it's like you took the funniest movie in the world. You took this hit, hit Broadway show with the cast of that show who were very good film actors as well. Yeah. And then you made this thing that had no pace and it had no energy and you didn't know how to cut it and you didn't know where to put the cameras because you had the Broadway director direct the movie. It seems like yeah. I, I can understand how that was a problem. I don't see how this how how this is a problem. Well, what you need to understand about Cats, the live musical, is it's also bad. So, <laughs> so this isn't like a producer situation where they ruined something that was good. What's also weird about that? It's it's very like '80s cocaine musical. This is not this is not M Night Shyamalan's Last Airbender. No, like the same people who made Cats made a musical either right before or right after called Starlight Express. Oh and yeah, it was about yeah. So that was when cocaine was like the thing. So it's a very cocaine musical. But also Cats, the musical really has, I mean, the live musical really has a very loose story. Like, it's really more individual songs that are loosely threaded. It, it's hard to explain the plot of it if you haven't seen it. Basically, the plot is all of these cats uh, want to die. <laughs> Basically, there's this thing <laughs> called the, like, there, there's this weird thing called the Heaviside Layer where, where you, uh, like, one cat is chosen at the end of this, like, festival of cats that goes to heaven and is reborn. So essentially, these cats are competing to die. But the way it works is each cat basically sings a song about themselves and that's it. There's no real story. So it's like the, it's like the wicker man with cats. You're not far off except everyone's volunteering to be burned in the wicker man. Um, I mean, I mean, it's like, it's like that. And it's like the lottery. Right. (laughs) It's, it's, but that's exactly what it's like. But in the movie, they, they, they try to make it a bigger story by like having this one character sort of like, be the perspective of the audience. And since it doesn't make sense, it still doesn't make sense, but you have this extra layer of complexity. Also in the live musical, like it was basically like dancers and leotards and face paint, but this, they, you know, it's all, it's like CG motion captured, but they're not cat enough where you're like, okay, it's like cartoon cats, but they're dancing and it's not human enough. And so it's this creepy combo that isn't animated that well because it's all motion capture and it feels like you can tell it was kind of rushed. Like when we know what it is. Yeah. You know what it is? It's the uncanny Valley. It's (laughs) that's what it, but you're not wrong. Uh, And it's so bad. It's fascinating though. Like, like it's, it's a fascinating movie. It's, 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 it's very watchable in the sense that you're like, like, you're like, no, no, come on. (laughs) Like, it's yeah, so bad. Ben loves um, movies like that. I forget what the uh, uh, I I try to remember the last movie that I was like, this movie's really bad, and then Ben made me watch it, and then he just kept turning to me like saying why. The um, and I know I'm not thinking of it; it's going to drive me crazy. 
but the second runner up, which isn't which isn't a terrible movie, but it's not a good movie, is Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. Oh yeah. It's not available anywhere, but it is on YouTube. And we were watching a lot of Kids in the Hall, which uh you and I should probably get into because you and I are both like at fever pitch about the announcement of a new season. Yeah. Um so we were watching a lot of Kids in the Hall and I'm like I'm like, well, here's the kids in the whole movie. And we watched the whole thing and it ended. And Ben turned to me and went, what was that? I was like, it was the kids in the hall movie. He's like, and he's like, and they made it. <laughs> and we never talked about it ever again. No, it's, 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 that is a weird, weird, weird movie. By the way, I met, so I met Dave Foley. I met I was, Dave Foley at a, oh, I, that's the one I'd want to meet. Yeah. You I met him at, yeah. Yeah. I was so drunk and I kept, what's funny is there was other, like there was other, you would call bigger celebrities there. Um, and I kept, but I was drunk and I was like, that's Dave Foley. And I kept saying, thank you for what you do. Like he was a firefighter on 9-11. Like, I was just <laughs> so cornering him and he's the nicest man, but I could tell he was like, so like, no, you, you guys, it was after we did that special, but not the White House Correspondents' Dinner too. And so he was like, yeah, you guys did a great job. And I was like, oh, by the way, thank you so much. You're Dave Foley. Like, oh, man, everything about you. And it's you can never, tell like, just... It's never a good sign when you tell someone their own name. Yeah, yeah. They um, know their own name. You're not giving because, them any new information. Also, because you know throughout Dave Foley's life, it's people who are like us who've come up to him, yeah. where it's like, I don't need this person. Like, I need someone who I... Not like a hot person, but at least like, okay, here's like a fucking nerd who's going to walk up to me. <laughs> well, Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell put it really well in an interview. He's like, I'm the kind of guy who walks past 50 people and they don't look at him. And one guy loses his shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did not, I, I met Bruce Campbell twice and barely could get a word out. It's, yeah. Um, that was like, did I ever tell you, did I ever, t- uh, I don't think you were there. Did I ever tell you about the time I met Janine Garofalo? No. She did um, John and Molly Neffel's show. Oh, right, right. I lied. So I stopped by there and I watched the show. And I had, like every Gen Xer, I had an amazing crush on Janine Garofalo and Winona Ryder. And mm-hmm. and uh, I was, it was in that after the show where everybody's kind of standing in a in like circles, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I'm standing, I'm talking to like John or Sean Patton, like a bunch of people, and she's back to back with me and talking right. to other people that we all know. And then the, the two circles just merged into one circle. And I turn around and she's just right in front of me and makes eye contact and she waves and I wave and I turn my back on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm never living there. I'm never getting past that memory. <laughs> no, no. And I feel like I've I've burned that bridge with so many people. Yeah. Just like, uh, you're weird out. And then that's it for me. Yeah, I had that happen um on my birthday. Uh was my my wife took me to uh the tour with Dana Gould and Bob Goldthwaite. Yeah. And Dana Gould's been on the podcast. And that was like mm-hmm. that was my favorite podcast ever. And we hit it off really well, and we I got big laughs out of them, which I'm taking to the grave, and we were comparing Planet of the Apes to Indiana Jones, and it was one of the best experiences I've had. And he's really nice, and I'll talk to him on Twitter back and forth. So then after the show, we go up to meet him, and I'm like, great, I have something to say. I'm not going to get tongue-tied. 
So I go up and I'm like, oh, I'm John. You did my show, Caffeinated Comics. He's like, oh, yeah, that was a great show. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, this is going great. And then he starts talking to Renee. So then I look, I look about 10 degrees to my left and there's a face that goes, hi, I'm Bob. <laughs> and I'm like, I got nothing for you, Bob. <laughs> uh, I had 10 minutes to ramp up to Dana. <laughs> it's. I, I met him once or twice when I was in LA at one or two stand-up shows and he's, he's very nice, but he's still Bobcat. Yeah. That so voice like, just comes out. Like what's weird is he's not, and I, I think he like had trouble before, but he's not crazy, but he still has the same energy. So it's yeah. like talking to a very smart person with the highest energy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's I love his whole material now. If people haven't seen him since the 80s and thinks that he comes out screaming, his whole act now is telling stories when he was the biggest celebrity in the world and the opportunities he was given. And then he says, the one thing in this opportunity you shouldn't do is this. And then he tells you what happens when he did that. Right. Yeah. He's got tons of the, I feel like Bobcat Goldthwait would be like if the Beastie Boys only made license to ill. Kind of. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put that. I think that's like the perfect way to put that. There was no Paul's boutique for Bob Goldthwait. <laughs> Although I, I mean, liked his, it, it, I liked his show. He did like a Tales from the Crypty show a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was pretty good. He's he's like I think I think I mean honestly I think he was a victim of his own fame because he's very very funny and I think yeah. that people were like oh you're just a you're a novelty act because of your voice, right? And, and he's and, not. And you know how it and you know how it is when something starts to take off. You're not going to just not do it. Right, exactly. Because th then it's like, okay, well, you could get everything you want in your career or not. Right. You know, exactly. so you ran around screaming for about five years. Yeah. 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 Uh, Man, that's, that's showbiz. That's showbiz, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, so Anything that I have not read a new comic in a while and uh, I feel kind of bad about it. But when when they I realized once they stopped publishing comics, I didn't notice. Yeah, I was uh, I was enjoying Batman's uh, Batman by Tom King, but then he's taking a hiatus before like relaunching the series and then everything shut down. And Amazing Spider-Man is always pretty good. Nick Spencer's run is pretty good, but I didn't even notice yeah. that they stopped coming. Was there is there been anything you've been reading? Um, I was getting into, there's this like horror series called, uh, the ice cream man or ice cream man. Okay. And it's very interesting, but it like, I, I read the first trade and I was like, I, I like this. And then I read the second trade and I was like, this is too unpleasant. Like I like, un, like I like sad things, but it was almost like, I was, it's very good. You know, when you read something, you're like, this is very good. I don't really want to read this. Yeah. It's it's a Schindler's List kind of thing. Right, exactly. Like, it's very, like, it's a good horror comic, but, like, a lot of the people who, like, have bad things happen to them, you're like, they don't deserve this. Not everyone in horror has to deserve it, but it feels, like, just randomly cruel, and I don't, I'm I'm good. <laughs> well, that's why I couldn't finish Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, got, that, I, I was the same way. I got to, like, uh, season two, episode one, and they casually stabbed a baby, and then I, I stood up, said, fuck this show, walked out. I, and then, yeah, and then every time, I was saying. yeah, uh, Renee finished it, and every time I walked in the room, somebody was just slowly being stabbed by a guy with no expression on his face. Yeah, 
And I'm like, you know what? I, I stay, I stay with walking dead for like nine seasons. It wasn't the violence. Yeah. The walking dead, I felt the same way too, where it was like, I was like, you know what? I don't, and I don't need it to be like a morality story where only the bad people suffer, but I also don't need a show where it's, it's sort of like how people are like the walking dead's great. And the, you know, Game of Thrones is great because that's how the real world is. Like, that's the way it would really be. And I'm like, look, I know that pe- the right people getting their comeuppance isn't realistic, but also it's not everyone constantly suffering is realistic either. Right. Yeah. You, they suffer, 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 and then they get killed off. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know. And again, uh, it's it's why Star Trek has been such a breath of fresh air. Right. Because every one of them, it's like, we'll all be OK. We're all, And um, have you seen Picard? I saw the first two episodes. I liked it. I just didn't finish it. Yeah, I loved it. There was some um, – I paid for CBS. Actually, I still have CBS. So I should probably drop it. Uh, I I adored it. There were a lot of people that got like really – that got really angry because they were like, this isn't Star Trek Next Generation. I'm like, yeah, because we're not the America we were in 1987 either. Yeah. And I'm no. like, that – but it still feels like an extension. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like the spawn of Star Trek. Right. Yeah. People, but it's, it's, I feel like Star Trek's a lot like SNL where people are like, but it was perfect when I was the right age for it to right. be perfect for me. Yeah. And it is yeah. like SNL where it's going to be on forever. And if you step yes. back, you go, this one's good. This one's not so good. Exactly. Exactly. And different people are going to like different things. I mean, you know, like Star Wars, it's, you know, different eras are good except for the last movie, which we all agree. Yeah. Was, oof. I may, I may have time to get into that. <laughs> no, well, uh, what what turned the key on Rise of Skywalker for me? Well, I sat yeah. the whole thing going like, uh, it was one of those movies where I was okay with it in the theater, and then I bought it on iTunes and never finished it. And yeah. I was trying to pinpoint what was wrong with it. I was like, well, it checked a lot of boxes, and it wasn't terrible, but it didn't quite come together. It didn't make this choice that I hated. And then I, I um. I was just randomly putting on Star Trek and I put on Star Trek into darkness for the first time in like five yeah. years. And I got a half an hour into that and I'm like, Oh, this is rise of Skywalker. You don't give JJ Abrams a second movie. Yeah. He spends yeah. everything he's got on that one movie and he comes back. He's like, I don't know. What do you guys like? Exactly. It, it felt like, cause I loved last Jedi and I understand why some people didn't like, I do understand the legitimate criticisms of it, but I was like, you yeah. know what? This is crazy and interesting. And yeah, I like last Jedi. And like, they make, you know, Johnson made big swings and some of those swings didn't hit, but you're like, good for you. You made a giant swing. And this one feels the opposite where it's like, Hey, you guys, you guys remember, remember this character? Do you like this? Is this okay? Don't yeah. be mad. Like that, it feels like a movie where the directive was, don't make anyone mad at this. Yeah. And you know what? I would put the four Disney movies up against the prequels any day. I think that, I think they're a marked improvement. And The Mandalorian is amazing. Yeah, The Mandalorian is great. Mandalorian so, is fantastic. Yeah, I'm not worried about the hands of Star Wars. But yeah, the, it it did feel like it was just there to wrap everything up. But yeah. you know what? Return of the Jedi is not a great movie either. But it's a great first third of a movie. <laughs> oh, you just mean Jabba's Palace? All of the Jabba's Palace stuff is great. <laughs> Although when you break it down, all it really is, is is a Muppet show that's trying to kill the guest host every five minutes. Which is great. That's <laughs> like kind of what America wants. Yeah, a character comes in. 
and then they have to sell Chewbacca, and then a character comes in and drops through a trap door. <laughs> then a character yeah. comes in and they pull their mask off. And that's the first 20 minutes of the movie. It's just one by one getting captured by Jabba. And Jabba's enjoying the hell out of it. He loves it. He loves it. Yeah. You know what? Um, going back to Star Trek, Jabba, Jabba in that movie is like Jonathan Frakes in real life. He's just living his best life and enjoying the hell out of everything. Yeah. That's like, what I like. If you cast Jonathan Frakes as Jabba the Hutt, it makes it a little better. That would actually be amazing. See? That would be so amazing. <laughs> yeah, you need to go back to Picard just to get to the Riker and Troy episode. It's really great. I will. I think I will. I probably we have hiatus in two weeks. Yeah. So I'll probably I'll probably like use that time to really crash. And crashing for me includes watching a ton of shows. Yeah, put that on your list. Are you caught up with what we do in the shadows? No, I have not started. Uh, I didn't even finish season one. I liked it. Again, like my weird thing is I'll love something, but then I'll get distracted for 10 minutes. And it's not that I'm never going back, but I'll just be like, I'll do it eventually. I'll go back eventually. I'll go back eventually. And I don't. Yeah, I, I'm in the middle of Twin Peaks for about six months. Yeah. I was like, this is a show everybody said I should watch. And then like five things came out that I was like, oh, but I was waiting for this. Right. Yeah. And then I'll come back to it. And then after six of them, you can't remember. Exactly. And that's one, of, that's one of the things I love about Apple TV is every time you turn on Apple TV, it goes to the watch next. And it just has the bottom row just has everything you were watching. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, we were watching all of Frasier. Yep. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, Ben and I have been go, trying to go through all the great sitcoms. I think I'm running low because we've done like 35 of them, like binge them from beginning to end. Wow. Yeah. We just finished Frasier after doing Cheers. We just finished Curb. Um, mm -hmm. I don't I don't know what to give them because, I mean, we've done Seinfeld, The Office, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec. Um, I can't get him to watch the honeymooners. It's just too old and black and white. What about uh, dinosaurs? I didn't like dinosaurs that much. And, I, but I've been seeing a lot of people talk about dinosaurs and like, the maybe I was so sad. Yeah. I just saw an article about the, like, it's just the ice age. Yeah. It's just this, that's up there with like the last quantum leap where it's just an episode that fades to black and it goes, he never got home. It's. The dinosaur dinosaurs is such a weird sitcom. I again, I was the perfect age to like it, so I loved it. But yeah. watching it now, it's it is it is both an artifact of the time, but it's also it's 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 one of those shows where you're like, I this was made, this was made, this was made, like, and it's so interesting to watch a show like that where you're like, this is an entirely everyone's in a big bodysuit. There's these Flintstone like sets, and this was made. <laughs> Well the, the well the premise of it was just like what if the dark crystal was the Simpsons? Yeah, kind of basically. And, and it just goes there. That's like um did you ever watch The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr.? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's something I can't imagine how it got made. Right. Where yeah. it's like it's like okay, a western with Bruce Campbell, Army of Darkness had just come out. So I was like, okay, I get that. But it's all about these weird time traveling orbs. Yeah. And then uh, Sheena Sheena Easton's in it twice. Oh, I, I I don't I don't remember that. I mean, I believe you. I just don't yeah, remember she, that. Sheena Easton shows up as like some kind of bounty hunter. <laughs> Two times. Oh, that's it. Yeah, Ben's getting to that age where he he's like he's twelve, so he's like a total tween. So yeah. he's been pushing and pushing for like 
more like rated R stuff. Yeah. Not sex, but he can handle violence. And now we're doing Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, this is yeah. probably a bad idea, but he loves it. And that was, I don't know if you saw all that show. I saw, I did, I saw most of it. I didn't see it all. Yeah. There was enough. Like, yeah. It, they, they thought they were going to come back for a season four. It got canceled. And I was like, yeah, I didn't really need any more of that. Exactly. Yeah. But I felt the same way about Stranger Things. I was like, one season of Stranger Things was good. Yeah, Stranger Things, like, the longer it went on, the more I was like, I just, we could have wrapped it up here. Yeah, I just felt like it, there wasn't many more story to go with. Yeah, it was I like, agree with that. It was a great experiment. It was, it was like doing a, a sequel to Super 8. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Or J.J. Abrams doing a sequel to anything. Right. No, I mean, but basically, yeah. It, like, I was like, you know what, just... You have like, or even make it an anthology series where one season is this, and then you have another season where it's a totally different story, but like similar themes or something. Yeah, nobody seems to want to do anthology series. They keep trying. Discover Star Trek yeah. Discovery was supposed to be season anthologies like American Horror Story, and then yeah. then they lost their showrunners, and uh, well, they lost Brian Fuller, who like Brian Fuller's career is starting shows and not doing them. Right. Yeah. But then they were just like, no, just stick with the same characters, just keep it running. And um but have you seen the Twilight Zone? I've only seen the episode that Camille did. I've seen a couple of them. It's 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 not bad. It's it's like I would say it's on par with the eighties one. Like the one that they did in the early two thousands with Forrest Whitaker was just outright bad. I and this is like the one that. in the eighties. This is like the one in the eighties where some episodes are great and some episodes are like fine and there's no like outright terrible episodes but like some are really good and some are okay yeah that's kind of how i felt when the x-files came back there was one really great episode and i was like this was worth all the shitty episodes you gave me just to have this one more that's great exactly so is there anything else you've been really into uh you know been playing a lot of video games the final fantasy 7 remake was great uh been playing another game called Near Automata, which is a very sad game, which is right up uh, my alley. So, yeah, I've been playing like a lot of Japanese role playing games again, which I haven't in a while. And I'm sort of just enjoying getting immersed in like sort of the melodrama and very broad characters. Just what system? Something that's. What system are you using? All of them, buddy. You know, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I kind of just wanted that to be recorded. <laughs> Oh, you can't, you, you can't, you can't put a saddle on a Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a wall with all the controllers up like samurai swords? Like guys that have samurai swords crossed over their mantle? No, my ex-girlfriend though made me something like that once, but it was too heavy to move when I, when I, when I, when I moved. So Aww. a long time ago, it was a long time ago, but like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, we still have the PlayStation 4 that wheezes. Like and it gets very hot. I think I I'm thinking of making grilled cheese next time Ben plays it. <laughs> I also yeah, can't get him. I also can't get him off it. So the last thing I played was like one level of Jedi Fallen Order, which was great. That was one of the best Star Wars stories. Of it the was year. it was really fun. The last thing I finished was Spider Man, and I I still adored that game. Yeah, that that Manhattan was so good that like I tried to show Ben every office I worked. Yeah. No, that was, and that's, I feel like 
<laughs> oh, Ben remembers this. I totally forgot about this. One day I was just playing it and I just felt like I was just in a mood. So I had Spider-Man drop into Times Square. And you know that move where he could web stuff and swing it at people? Yeah. I just started screaming stand-up comedy and started hitting everybody. <laughs> and Ben's like, why are you doing this? I'm like, I'm working out some things. It's a long time ago. You don't need to know about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, so, so when do you get a hiatus again? Are you in the middle of the season? Or, or is everything up in the air? Is it like we're just going to keep doing shows until we figure out what the plan is? Um, well, you know, like any late night show, we usually have hiatuses every, you know, five or six weeks where we'll have like five on, one or two off. And uh, we were supposed to have one earlier, but because our shows were doing well and they were getting like good viewership and good press, and I think just because they wanted to keep the show on the air and not lose a beat, we've gone a run of maybe, I want to say like 12 or 13 weeks with only one non-show week, which wasn't a hiatus. It was just when we were figuring out how to do it remote. So we have been on much longer than usual, but we have a hiatus at the end of May, which we're all looking forward to a lot. Yeah. And then we'll be back like two weeks later. <laughs> Whether or not you'll get out of the house in the end of May is anybody's guess. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I, uh, I, one of the things I do at work is I work on the our social program, so I do a lot of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter posts, yeah. and we got to do them a couple months in advance to get them through legal. So I'm doing June, and uh, and I wrote one that was like, in these days of, sh of shelter in place, and one of my creative directors was like, well, what if we're all out by then? And I just laughed at them. <laughs> yeah, we won't be. We won't be. We won't be. Uh, well, uh, Mike, how do people find you online besides with, you can besides watching Samantha B? Watch Samantha B Wednesdays at 1030 on TBS, the Superstation, And I am on Twitter at Mike Drucker and I'm on Instagram at Mike Drucker is dead. And you can follow me at not on my book on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official caffeinated comics, social networking feed. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash caffeinated comics, where you can find all the news that we find. And you can listen to the show through Stitcher and Spotify and iTunes if you want to subscribe. Or you could just go right to RadioMisfits.com, click on the Lifestyle tab, and there we are. We will talk to you next week.